0: On a journey, Jacob dreams of angels on a ladder between heaven and earth. In his vision, God promises to make a great nation of him and to be with him always. A reading from the book of Genesis. Jacob left Beersheba and went towards Haran. He came to a certain place and stayed there for the night because the sun had set. Taking one of the stones of the place, he put it under his head and lay down in that place. And he dreamed that there was a ladder set up on the earth, the top of it reaching to heaven, and the angels of God were ascending and descending on it. And the Lord stood beside him and said, I am the Lord, the God of Abraham your father, and the God of Isaac, the land on which you lie I will give to you and your offspring, and your offspring shall be like the dust of the earth, and you shall spread abroad to the west and to the east and to the north and to the south, and all the families of the earth shall be blessed in you and in your offspring knowing that I am with you and will uh, and will keep you wherever you go and will bring you back to this land for I will not leave you until I have done what I have promised you. Then Jacob woke from his sleep and said surely the Lord is in this place and I did not know it. And he was afraid and said how awesome is this place. This is none other than the house of God and this is the gate of heaven. So Jacob rose early in the morning, and he took the stone that he had put under his head and set it up for a pillar and poured oil on top of it. He called that place Bethel. Hear what the Spirit is saying to God's people.
1: Thanks be to God.
0: Paul declares that those who have chosen to follow
1: Jesus can live in joyful hope because they are sons and daughters adopted by God. A reading from the letter of Paul to the Romans. So then, brothers and sisters, we are debtors, not to the flesh, to live according to the flesh. For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the Spirit you are put to death, the deeds of the body, you will live. For all who are led by the Spirit of God are children of God. For you did not receive a spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you have received a spirit of adoption. When we cry, Abba, Father, It is that very Spirit bearing witness with our spirit that we are children of God, and if children, then heirs, and heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ, if, in fact, we suffer with him so that we may also be glorified with him. I consider that the sufferings of the present time are not worth comparing with the glory about to be revealed to us, for the creation waits with eager longing for the revealing of the children of God, For the creation was subjected to futility, not of its own will, but by the will of the one who subjected it, in hope that the creation itself will be set free from its bondage to decay and will obtain the freedom of the glory of the children of God. We know that the whole creation has been groaning in labor pains until now, and not only the creation, but we ourselves, who have the first fruits of the Spirit grown inwardly while we wait for adoption, for the redemption of our bodies. For in hope we were saved. Now hope that is seen is not hope, for who hopes for what is seen? But if we hope for what we do not see, we wait for it with patience.
2: Hear what the Spirit is saying to the churches. Thanks be to God. The Holy Gospel of our Savior, Jesus Christ, according to Matthew. Glory to you, Lord Christ. Another parable Jesus put before the crowds. The kingdom of heaven may be compared to someone who sowed good seed in his field. But while everybody was asleep, an enemy came and sowed weeds among the wheat, and then went away. So when the plants came up and bore grain, then the weeds appeared as well. And the slaves of the householder came and said to him, Master, did you not sow good seed in your field? Where then did these weeds come from? He answered, An enemy has done this. The slaves said to him, Then do you want us to go and gather them? But he replied, No, for in gathering the weeds, you would uproot the wheat along with them. Let both of them grow together until the harvest, and at harvest time I will tell the reapers, Collect the weeds first and bind them in bundles to be burned, But gather the wheat into my barn. Then he left the crowds and went into the house, and his disciples approached him, saying, Explain to us the parable of the weeds of the field. He answered, The one who sows the good seed is the son of man. The field is the world, and the good seed are the children of the kingdom. The weeds are the children of the evil one, and the enemy who sowed them is the devil. The harvest is the end of the age, and the reapers are angels. Just as the weeds are collected and burned up with fire, so it will be at the end of the age. The Son of Man will send his angels, and they will collect out of his kingdom all causes of sin and all evildoers, and they will throw them into the furnace of fire, where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Then the righteous will shine like the sun in the kingdom of their Father. Let anyone with ears listen. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Christ. Be seated, please. I always cringe a little bit reading this parable, particularly the interpretation. Cringe a little bit singing that hymn. It's a wonderful hymn. But it follows the interpretation of the parable given in in Matthew. Um, The good seed is the righteous people. The, the weeds are the unrighteous people and at the end of the age God's going to separate the one from the other and and burn up the, the evil stuff. Matthew is very much concerned with separation. He tells a number of parables, has Jesus tell a number of parables about separation. The kingdom of God is like a net thrown into the sea that pulls up all kinds of fish, both good and bad, and the fishermen sit down on the shore and keep the good ones and throw the rotten ones away. And then the very last parable in Matthew's gospel that Jesus tells in his public ministry is the parable of the sheep and the goats. Um, The king will come and sit on his throne and gather everyone in front of him and, and the sheep he'll put to his right and the goats to his left. And to the sheep he'll say, come enter the kingdom of my father. When I was hungry, you fed me. When I was thirsty, you gave me drink. And they'll say, when did we see you hungry? Inasmuch as you've done it to one of the least of these. Matthew is very concerned about making that separation. I suspect that the church in his time had started to be successful and to grow And there were people who were saying about other people, they're not quite as holy as me. They can't possibly get into the kingdom of heaven, can they? And so Matthew has to tell these parables. Interestingly enough, though, the parable works perfectly fine without its interpretation. If you just read the first half of what we read, it works really well. Parables are supposed to be pungent little sayings, and rather shocking to their hearer, to make you go away thinking. So we hear that parable and we're not really shocked by it. We've lost the context. If you go back into the Old Testament to Leviticus, chapters 18, 19, and 20, the Holiness Code, of course, those are chapters that are very much contested in our day. Um, But in chapter 19, there's a series of, of things that are forbidden, And I'll bet a good two-thirds of us are in violation of those things right now. How many of you are wearing cotton polyester? Show of hands. Sorry. Too bad. You can't wear clothes of two kinds of fiber because it is an abomination to the Lord. You can't breed two kinds of animals together. It's an abomination to the Lord. So mules are an abomination to the Lord. And you can't sow two kinds of seed in one field. It's an abomination to the Lord. Leviticus was very concerned about keeping Israel and the nations separate. So all of that concern got focused on to the way Israel did its own business. Don't confuse things that shouldn't be confused. Don't confuse Israel and the nations don't confuse cotton and linen. Don't confuel, confuse donkeys and horses. Don't confuse weeds and wheat. So this guy's field is an abomination to the Lord. Jesus' hearers would have got that. The startling thing is that the farmer is absolutely unconcerned. The slaves come and say, there's weeds in there. We've got to do something. And he says, no. If you do something, you might cause problems. Just leave it. And at the end of the harvest, we'll gather up the weeds. And notice that he tells the harvesters to spend the time to bind the weeds into bundles. He's not just interested in getting rid of them. If he wanted to just get rid of them, he'd say, throw them on the fire. He binds them into bundles. And then the word that he uses for burning indicates burning as fuel in the oven. He's going to save those weeds and use them as fuel to bake the bread that he's going to make from the grain that he gathers into the garner. Now, that parable is shocking to the hearers. Everyone who heard that would have expected the farmer to take revenge on his enemy. He's absolutely unconcerned. I don't care who did it. An enemy did it. But we'll make it useful, even at the end when the weeds show up we'll make it useful so if Matthew along with Leviticus is concerned about making distinctions separating one thing from another the teller of this parable is unconcerned about making distinctions who cares one thing and another together just fine we don't need to worry about it God will take care of it Paul, we've been reading Paul, talks about the flesh, where we make distinctions between Jew and Greek, male and female, slave and free. And he says if you focus on that, if you give yourself over to that concern, you're going to die. But in the spirit, when we cry, Abba, Father, we're admitting that we're adopted by God, all of us together. It makes no distinction, of course. He's talking to a mixed congregation of Jew and Greek And he says the whole creation is groaning in expectation of some new way of being defined where those distinctions won't matter. We're waiting for that with eager expectation. I love the story of Jacob. Um, He's such a trickster, so deceitful, such a sneak. Um, God uses him anyway. We, We miss part of the story from what we've heard today. He not only, last week we heard him um, trick his brother out of his birthright. His brother was hungry and sold his birthright to Jacob um, for a pot of lentil stew. And then Esau goes out hunting again, and Isaac is dying. Rachel comes to Jacob and says, Quick, while your brother's out there, kill a goat, cook it up like gazelle, give it to your father, and he'll give you his blessing." And Jacob says, but my brother's hairy. He won't ever, you know, he'll want to touch me. And she says, take the skin of the goat and put it on your arm. He'll never know the difference. And so Isaac blesses Jacob as if he were blessing Esau, the older son. Esau comes back and says, can't you give me a blessing? And Isaac says, no, I can't. I've already given it. And so Esau wants to kill Jacob. That's why he's running away. He's running away to save his life. He gets to Bethel, sleeps on a rock. Maybe God has to hit him on the head with a rock to get him to slow down, right? He's so busy with his trickery and says, I'm going to have to give the promises to you. I'm going to have to work through you just because that's the way it is. He wakes up and says, surely... God is in this place, and I didn't know it. The ladder going to heaven um, is the, the angels coming and going from the throne room of God to govern the earth. There he is in the vestibule of the throne room, didn't even know it. In tricking his brother out of his birthright, he made an implacable enemy out of Esau, and Israel and Edom were enemies for their whole history. Um, too busy making distinctions got themselves into trouble, but God is going to use it anyway. We don't get to see, Paul says, that final creation. We can wait for it in hope. We can wait for that new humanity that, where distinctions don't matter. But we get to see glimpses of it. Like Jacob, if we slow down in the middle of all of our trying to keep loose ends together we might just now and then catch a glimpse of what it looks like. It might be a church service where many people come together. It might be Feed My People where lots of people are helped. Um, I heard a wonderful thing on the radio yesterday about Utica, New York, where all kinds of different immigrants have come, and a single institution has worked to pull them together, and they all work together, whether they're Bosnian and Muslim or Christian or Burmese, all of them together. We get to catch glimpses of it. And like Jacob, if we're too busy holding the loose ends of our trickery together, God will have to slow us down. But when we see it, we need to back up and say, surely God was in this place and I did not know it. We get to wait for it with hope, not make those distinctions, not worry about who's good seed and bad seed. But say, God's got that in God's hands. Surely God is in this place. Amen. Amen.